Hello and welcome to a special series of Block Talk, which we're calling Block Talk Explores. These quick listen episodes will be split by topic area, as our guests, who are all industry leaders in Scotland, will be discussing three specific industry topics. Topic number one is education and awareness of the industry and what property factors do. Number two is recruitment within the industry and any challenges that we that they see. Um, and the third one is customer care. Um, we'll release two episodes in week one, and the third will be released the following week. We hope you enjoy the series, and as always, it would be great to hear you feedback. Welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast. We're doing Block Talk to Explorers. Um, and in this episode, we're talking to Laura Bradley and Audrey Murphy about customer care. Laura is the operations manager at Highland Residential. She has 15 years of experience working in the private letting sector. Laura is focused on giving the best service to all her customers and has recently completed a property mark level six qualification in residential lettings and property management for Scotland. Audrey is the Interim Director of Governance and Business Improvement at Albine Housing. She joined Albine in Feb 22, armed with knowledge and experience from previous roles in a variety of housing associations across Glasgow, leading operational and strategic frontline services in a senior management role. Previous to the last 20 years working within the housing sector, Audrey worked for nine years within residential services for a mental health charity. So, wow, lots of experience there from, from both. Um, how are you doing today? Yeah, um, wonderful. Um, thank you very much for, for inviting us on. Um, it's uh, it's my first time uh, in this environment, so um quite excited. Good, 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 excellent. Okay, so let's, we'll crack on with customer service. Okay, so... Um, so how is customer service changing? Okay, I'll pick this one up then. So um, I think the customers have evolved in terms of online presence. So again, when we talk about like our roles within our teams, I think customers are as well. So, you know, they were forced to do everything online, to do online shopping, um, you know, whereas, you know, that kind of two years or 18 months of not being able to do physical things actually has had a knock-on effect and it's evolved how people people do things um so there was motivation for us to do things so customers email a lot more um you know online portals apps you know that's that customer service it doesn't replace somebody picking up the phone and having a phone call and a conversation but we have seen an increase in emails and that that correspondence um you know we've we've launched the portal um, a couple of years ago and you know it's quite interesting to see how many people you know the footfall on that as well um, you know when yep. we're asking the question do you use the portal yeah I log in and, and actually the benefits of that as well whereas pre the pandemic that wasn't that wasn't um, an opportunity it wasn't there for us we didn't use it and actually um, it's it's had a, a really positive outlook okay okay Audrey any views on that 
Yeah, I agree with what Laura said. I think, um, you know, I think in many ways, organisations, you know, we were all forced, weren't we, to, you know, how, how do we how do we connect if we can't do it physically? Um, how do we provide services without turning up at an office or, you know, going, you know, in, in a front door? Um, so that has opened up. And I think we are still... I think we're still learning. I think we're still, you know, we're, we're still there. We're still kind of um, gravitating. I mean, I never used things like Alexa or any, any, you know, I use all apps now. Um, in fact, if something doesn't have an app, I find myself questioning why. Um, whereas before, I think I probably only had about two apps on my phone, but now it's like full of them. So um, I think it has, you know, I think it does change the way that you, you operate. Um, of course, it's not for everyone. Um, I think there is, you know, there's, there's still elements of our society that we, we we need to make sure that they don't feel isolated or excluded. Yeah. Um, and and we have things in place for that to make sure that people are not getting left behind. But what what I think it does do is for um, that online portable portal or apps or email or anything technical that people can find their own way of how they want to communicate. It does free up time for our staff to be able to give more to those who don't have that way and they don't they want the phone call, they want the visit. That's what makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I get it. I get it. I, I think the coming back to the app thing, I am um, I don't know what it is, but whenever you you buy anything now, or whenever I buy anything, um, it's like Okay, can I control that from wherever I am in the world? Is the, is the question I always ask. So, so I had some um, had a bathroom redone the other day, or a while back. I just said within the last kind of twelve months, and um, and the guy was putting in underfloor heating, and I went, well, okay, you're not doing it unless I can control it from anywhere in the world. Why do you want to control it from anywhere in the world? Well, one, I want to be able to switch the damn thing off if I've left it on and yeah. two if I'm on my way home I want to be able to switch it on yeah so that yeah. you know the world has just entirely yes. changed okay actually so 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 customer service has changed dramatically I think we all agree with that but that has got to have brought its challenges so what do you view as the biggest challenge in providing or or con continuing to provide a good level of customer service I think I think for me, I mean, I've I've worked in frontline customer service for many years, as you said earlier, and I think I th for me, it's always been about two things: managing customer expectations and making sure customers are kept in the loop. Um, for me, that has um has always been the two two main things because for me as a customer. I don't like it if I'm expecting a call or I'm expecting some information and I don't get it. It's annoying, it's frustrating. And I like to know what to expect. So I like my expectations to be managed because I might be thinking I'm getting X and I get Y and that makes me unhappy. So I think they've always been the same. But I think the challenge now is customers, including myself, um, I think we want everything faster. We want faster answers, um, even to issues that we know are not routine. I think we're used to getting that instant gratification. You know, um, we don't even have to Google anymore. You can just ask Alexa or whatever, Siri, to get your things. And I, I think customers, that change, that demand of um, they want it in their hand, they want the answer um, in their hand, and, and we have to think of, what their question's going to be. So I think the challenge is going forward is to get more and more anticipatory of what our customers want to know 
what they what they need the answers to and provide it before sometimes I've even asked it. So I still think it is about managing expectations and, you know, keeping that communication. It's a fair point, isn't it? I mean, I, I do I do it myself. You know, I mean, we you know, we have obviously have SLAs for our support teams and things like that. And, you know, if it's not a um if it's not a uh, what we would call a um a category one call, um, which means that, that everything Mm-hmm. nobody can do anything kind of thing then you know we have we have um slas that can go on for you know 24 hours or whatever for a response but but still every well, certainly mine and and this has changed over the last two years when you send an email you expect to get a response mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not what email is i mean you used to email is a digital form of writing a letter you know when you wrote a letter you god you're mm-hmm. weird two weeks to get a response. Do you know what I mean? So there is just that. And maybe it's just that I'm outrageously impatient and getting old and I might be dead by the time I get an answer. I don't know. But but there's something in me that goes, why why have I not had it? Like, for instance, I'm having an ongoing battle with my electrical supplier at the moment because my house, the house I live in just now, was renovated and it had two meters. Or sorry, it had one meter, but it's been replaced. And I'm getting estimated bills for both. So they're billing me and then telling me that if I cancel my DD, they're going to come after me with late payment fees. But no one will answer my emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I've sent, another, I sent an email, what, two days ago, and I expect a response that day. Still haven't got one. So I'm now going to escalate that, obviously. But do you know what? It is just that instant response. Laura, mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh, I completely agree. I'm having uh, issues with uh, a digital provider. Um <laughs> and our reception and I can't get to so I I'm a bit old school I like to pick up the phone and have a conversation because I know that that conversation is recorded or I've got a name of somebody and I go actually I spoke to somebody somebody and I can't get through to a person and I think that that is so whilst an email will go to a, a, a central mailbox and be distributed between a number of staff you know that there's a difficulty that people aren't answering the phones as well. And I think a lot of a lot of things that we do, if we have really, really good customer service, you will remember that. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of the, the times I had an issue with my bins. So I called the lady at the council. The next day that that problem was resolved. And I just I actually said to the people delivering it, I said, Do you know what? That lady was phenomenal on the phone. And it's and it's all about you will praise and recognize good customer service. So I think in everything that we do, you know, we needed to be delivering that element of customer service. And in in the same with yourself and like the email, I think acknowledging an email in itself is you know, even if you've got an auto response to say we will deal with you in this time frame, I just think that that's whilst it isn't a human side, it is because somebody's put that message on and it might be an automated, but you know that your email has been received. I think that's that's something else. You know, we we did very early on make sure we had the automated reply to an email so that you actually knew that it was received. I think that's half the battle. Sometimes I send an email, I'm like, did it even get there? Because I haven't had the automated response. Yeah. yeah. And and also that by that automated response saying we'll contact you with an X, you get an expectation set, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, good, good. I think we're, we think we, we all understand that. I think that the, the challenge is now that, and I think with, with, 
COVID. I mean, I, I saw, I was, I was watching the news the other day and Thames Water, or it was a Thames, no, it wasn't Thames Water. It was um, east of south, southeast water. I've already imposed a hosepipe ban because <laughs> they cannot cope with the demand of everyone drinking water because they're working from home because they used to obviously work in London or something. I don't know, right? But and but because people are working at home so much from a factoring perspective, I think they probably see more. You know, I mean, you know, when when were you ever at home when the gardeners were coming around to um, um to do ground maintenance? Probably never. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, but but it's it's human nature, I guess, to watch things and have a have a view on it and then send the message. Do you think your the number of calls that you guys take has increased, and is um, it coming down? I I think so, but I think it's all about customer expectation as well because also the grounds maintenance are not gardeners, so they're not going to go and prune your your, your rosary your rose bush yeah, yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Perfect. And I think there's also that expectation on the customer. So you know, people get it wrong. We're all open to human error. You know, there are mistakes or things get missed, and you know myself or the grounds maintenance or even the you know some of the owners go actually we got that wrong. I'm sorry, but it's that expectation it's knowing what is to be expected we also provide a service called assisted garden maintenance for some of our um customers within alban and that again is it's a service that is delivered to them it's to support them um and again that's where the grounds maintenance help out as well so it's it's they're the ones that probably um, have got a little bit more particular because they are going into their gardens and they are yeah. looking after their gardens. Whereas, you know, you're out there, you're looking, you're seeing the grass being cut, but your expectation is why aren't they trimming that? Why aren't they cropping that yeah. kind of thing? I think there is an increase of calls more so as the growing season starts. I would say yeah. it's more seasonal um, because actually the complaints about your ground maintenance during the winter is minimal because it yeah. doesn't grow. So it's yeah. mainly litter, rubbish, things like that, you know, um, you know, fly tipping. But during the summer, there's much, you know, people are outside more. It's lighter all the mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, I think there's there's also the expectation that you want to be in your bar uh, in your garden having a barbecue and you see your, your guests arrive and you want your area to look nice too. Yeah, sure, sure. No, I get it. I get it. Understand, understand. Okay, so um, last question on the customer service. So we know that kind of difficult conversations are part of life. You know, you've got to have them. Yeah, and customer supplier or partner relationships within within kind of factors providing services to um, to their clients. Um, how do you manage daily? or how do you manage um, difficult conversations? And also, how do you help your employees cope with that? Um, I think conversations have been getting more difficult recent times with cost of living crisis and inflation increases. Um, You know, people are worried. Um, We attempt to provide a solution-focused-based approach. So if they want a payment plan or they want to discuss any uh, anything like that. We also signpost a lot of our customers to support pages, um, either on our, our website or 
other support networks like CAB. And I think a lot of, um, we do a lot of in-house training. So, you know, not a role play exercise, but actually what has been an experience? How did you deal with that? So, so we kind of, you know, we diagnose how that conversation was about and how, you know, they would feel if, if it was them or, you know, because actually the team that are in place are phenomenal at what they do. And actually they yeah. have the empathy and the understanding, but also they know when it isn't. So like the, the example of grounds maintenance aren't gardeners, that is a, you know, that is a conversation had a time and time again, because it's the expectation. So it's going, sure. actually, this is what the requirements are of your development. This is what is yeah. being done. And actually, um, a lot of it is, you know, knowledge is power, really. So actually, if you can yeah. explain it in a way and you can you can empower people to to get to the answer, I think that that does help as well. OK. Audrey, any views? I, I, yeah, I just I think it is. Um, it, it comes down to um, what we talked about first is about that managing that expectation, you know, um, you know, customers will have an opinion or, or, or a view on, you know, of you're setting out, you know, from their title deeds or what you what you're saying their ground maintenance spec is, and um, or if if you're, you know, you're engaged in a conversation about their 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 payment plan, you know, that conversation becomes difficult whether it's their rent or or their their factoring fees, as you know they, they they want to pay fifty pence a week, um, and and it takes you know twenty years to to repay that. That's a difficult conversation because that means two expectations are just not met at all in the middle, and and I suppose we we try to work from a rent first. Um, approach or you know um and and to talk to people particularly or obviously um tenants because that is important that keeps the roof over your head yeah. and that's why we, we we really encourage them to go to any support agencies um to to look at what who else can we but you know you need to keep you and your family with a roof over your head and we will obviously engage in you know affordable plans to keep people on track um so that they don't fall down a rabbit hole of thinking they, they can't cope so I, I think what Laura said it is about managing expectations but the biggest thing is just about listening and and see the empathy I mean we'll we'll have staff members um who are going through the cost of living who are going through high increased fuel you know fuel bills so people are getting it but we're, we're all getting it and and it's just about making sure we've got enough knowledge about you know who who's doing what to support what they can access what they can go and claim for so filling as laura said knowledge is definitely power um about what is available locally and in, in our network so that we can get people help that's our biggest uh, our biggest thing um it's just a signposting where we can't help making sure that people uh, get access to other services. Good. Okay. Excellent. Thanks for that. Okay. So I think that kind of covers us for customer service. We do have one final question and I hope you've read this one and you're expecting <laughs> it. So I don't know who's going to go first either. So tell us something about you that people are generally surprised to find out about you. Um, well, well, I, 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 I'll go mine because Laura's is shocking because um, I was shocked when she told to me. Um, but but mine's is that I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a tour of caravaner. I, I love my caravan. All right, wow. And and for some people, I don't know why, but 
they don't seem to think that I fit the mould for being a, a, a caravaner. Um, but I do love it. It's um, a happy place. You know, me and hubby go off and um, we've got excited actually now in, in Fife and any time we can, we can get there is just an absolute bonus and I love it. I just... Filling up the water, and you know, I don't, I don't empty the toilet. I then mean, that's that's hubby's job, but I, 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 you know, I can, I can tow the caravan and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I love it. I just love it. So yeah, don't know okay, why. I don't quite, I don't know if there is a typical caravaner. To be fair, I'm not sure. My, um, I had a caravan actually when I was when I my children were quite young, mm-hmm. and I came down the Kearney Braes from Perth. Um, and it pushed me down the hill, and I pulled in at the Glen Eagle Station car park and turned to my uh, well, my ex-wife now, and said, "This thing is getting sold when I get to home." <laughs> and, and that was its first outing, and I have never been in one since because I nearly wiped out an entire family. So You're it scared right. the crap out of me. Although my, I have a twin brother, and he is a he. In fact, he's got a new. Um, motorhome appearing. I don't know if he's yeah. buying it from Nicholas Thompson or not. I say better cut that bit. My brother um, has a is a keen. Uh, he's keen on the outdoors and everything. Like yeah. that. He, he spends his entire life doing that. And he's got a new motorhome appearing, and um, he's um, asked if I want to. <sighs> Go away with it for a weekend, of which the answer was um, park it outside the hotel and I'll stay in the hotel. <laughs> so, so, I don't know. I don't, but you know, caravanning, you know, fab, yeah. but yeah, it's scared the yeah. caravan. You, you would probably have handled it better than me, but I just, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I, um, as I said, I, um, we, we, we've done it on, on and off, but probably about, um, probably about six years ago when the kids were, were up and my, my daughter used to kind of babysit, you know, the, the young one because she was like 20. 20 and he was um, 14 and um, my dad would, would nip in but um, we, we loved it we it was it was just it was just great we've got friends who you know got a motorhome now but they had a tour of caravan at the time and we just love it and we've we've drove you know all over my dream is to go drive it across Europe yeah. that's what I'm hoping to do one day when I, I get to I get to go retiring that's uh, that's how far can you get in the world with a caravan that's my dream no, to be fair, you can go. If you get to Europe, you can go pretty far, can't you? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Cool. And Laura, yours is apparently shocking. So what, 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 what's I coming? I wouldn't say it's shocking. Um, <laughs> I think mine's, a, I'm a grandmother of three. I think that's probably what I always say. So everyone goes, what? And uh, yeah, so I've got two stepdaughters and I have three grandchildren. And one is 15. Uh, she's 15. And then I've got a 13-year-old grandson and a four-month-old granddaughter but whenever I talk about my grandchildren everyone goes what you've got grandchildren um yes so yeah okay. you do not look old enough to have grandchildren that is yeah. that's why when Laura first told me I was like what what cream do you use and <laughs> <laughs> what's your beauty regime um <laughs> So yes, I always think that I always thought that was a good one. That Laura, Laura's obviously had an awful lot of shocked faces in her uh, time when she's been telling people she's a grandmother. Yeah. That's so what I didn't yeah. anticipate is, so I'm Granny Laura. So when my my stepdaughter, my eldest stepdaughter, had Ava, and um, they, I needed to have a grandparent name, and I was like, right, okay, I didn't want to be grandma, and I didn't want to be nana, and I didn't want to be nanny. So I was like, I'll be Granny Laura, because if I say it quick enough, you miss the granny and you just get the Laura. 
<laughs> so 15 years ago, that was that was okay. What I didn't anticipate is they now know that if they call me Gran, I age about 80 years and I want to crawl into a hole. So 15 and a 13-year-old quite occasionally call me Gran just to see the effect that it has on me. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whereas I'm going the other way. I'm actually only 35 and I dye my hair every day. <laughs> I'm going to steal that line, actually. It's nice. <laughs> I only say that because it's the reverse of 53, right? So, <laughs> okay. Well, Audrey, Laura, thanks very much for coming on. That's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks for your insights. Thank you. On all Thank of you.